Well, thank you, Rachel, for that introduction. And hello again. It's great to be with you all, uh, which is, as Heather and I reflected earlier in the service, the last of our talks in the series that we have been in entitled His Story our living hope and indeed that is what it's been about it's been about understanding that he has a story that we are part of uh, that he has plans and purposes and that it is through Jesus that we can have our living hope and so we've been looking at the subject of biblical prophecy and at the start of uh, this series as a way of recap I looked at the question of why is biblical prophecy important uh, you know the the Lord has put in his story what is coming up so that we can be prepared, not scared, as, as some pastors have said that phrase before, which I love, so that we can understand what's happening around us, that we can look through the events of the world through the lens of the Bible and not the other way around. And, uh, you know, I said at the start that 30% of the Bible is prophecy. And so uh, in the first talk, I looked at why it's important. And then we asked the question the second week, you know, are we in the end times? What's happening around us? What, if we looked through the lens of the Bible and what God says, are we to be surprised? And so we looked at uh, the very words of Jesus in Matthew 24, in those birth pains that he talks about. And we looked at what's happening around us. Um, and uh, yeah, you can catch up on that talk and indeed many of the others. And then we looked, the next talk was one of the main biblical events uh, that we looked at in the end times, which is the rapture of the church. Um, the time in which the church is caught up, caught away with Jesus to meet him. He comes for his church and we looked at what that looks like. Uh, and then the week after that, we looked at the next event, which is the tribulation period that comes after that, the seven years, and we looked at what it is. And, um, and uh, the, the, the point that in that time, uh, the, the true colors of evil is shown for all it is, but yet the true brightness of God shines even brighter. And the fact that God still calls people during that time. And the end of that, we looked at um, the time where Jesus comes again, ends that period of time, comes with his church. Um, and that brings us to what is the final event, which is after that thousand year reign of Christ, then there is a new heaven and a new earth. Now, before I look at this, um, let me just say a few things first. You know, as I said at the start of this series, this is not designed to be a detailed uh, verse by verse Bible study of Revelation or indeed any of the other books that pertain to it, such as Daniel or indeed some of the gospel accounts and in the epistles. This is really designed to give you a 40,000 foot view, an overview, uh, and in some ways a bit of a diving board into, uh, into this subject, if you wish. Now, I have uh, benefited and been blessed by many resources as I have put uh, this series together. And, um, you know, one of them I can encourage you to look at is from Dr. David Jeremiah in the US um, and his Turning Point Ministries. Uh, some fantastic resources uh, to help you if you want to go deeper in some of these questions. Um, also, um, in the Rapture talk, uh, benefited greatly from Pastor Jimmy Evans in the US, who talks a lot about this subject. And by the way, many other pastors um, uh, that I have um, been blessed to listen to. Um, but for this morning, as I look at the New Heaven, New Earth, I want to just share this book with you. It's written by Randy Alcorn, and it's called Heaven. Over a million copies sold. It is truly a, an inspirational, it is a wonderful book. Scriptural basis for what 
heaven is like. You know, we, I, I think it's fair to say, and I certainly had this view before I read this book and before I actually studied the scriptures, that we do have a measly view of heaven. We think we're just going to float around on clouds and play harps. Um, that is really not the case. <laughs> and so I'm going to share some of this in a moment, but if you want to do a bit of a deep dive, so to speak, into this subject that I cannot recommend this highly enough, uh, it really is a great book. Okay then, well let's, let's carry on as we end uh, this series and look at this talk. Uh, the final moment, uh, there is the final judgment at the end of the thousand years, um, and then there is a new heaven and new earth, and I want to unpack what that looks like for us. Um, so let's turn together to Revelation, because of course that's where it is, Revelation chapter 21. Listen, get comfortable, I'm going to read a bit of scripture, quite a bit of scripture, and then we're just going to look very briefly uh, at what we can learn from this. So, Revelation 21, 1 to 7. Let me read this, and it'll be on the screen as well. And this is John, by the way, just as, as, uh, uh, to remind everyone, this is the Apostle John. He was caught away. Um, he was taken up. He saw these events and so in the island of Patmos. And so this is John writing this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, <laughs> God's dwelling is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Isn't that beautiful? And let's look, uh, jump to Revelation 22, just verses 1 to 4. I want to add on to this as well. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. The Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever. Wow. Isn't that, you can just imagine if that was a blockbuster holiday, uh, Hollywood movie, eh? I mean, it would be like spectacular. And here it is. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Unlike Hollywood movies, this is not a work of fiction. You know, we looked, didn't we, at um, how so far God has fulfilled all those, all those prophecies so far to the very letter. And so God is not a man that he should lie, as the scripture said. This will come to pass. Now, what can we see from this? Well, as way of introduction, you know, in many respects, the end brings us to a new beginning, doesn't it? 
In some ways, it brings us full circle to the start, i.e. God dwelling with us. Uh, I mentioned Randy Olcon's book. Let me just quote something which I think just sums it up so beautifully. We normally think of our going up to heaven to live with God in his place. That is indeed what happens when we die. But the ultimate promise is that God will come down to live with us in our place, on the new earth. <laughs> the ultimate heaven will not be us with God, but God with us. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what we just read? I just absolutely love that. You see, the whole point of a new earth, it's not that God obliterates his old creation and creates something new. You see, when you look at the word Greek here, it's actually about a renewal. It's not about getting rid of the old and creating something new. It's actually renewing that which God had created. And you see, we need to understand this because we need to understand this is part of God's redemptive story, his redemptive plan. What do we remember in Genesis? When God created all things, what did he say? He looked at it and said, it is good. And so what happened when sin came in is it not only impacted mankind, not only do we need redemption, but also creation. It says in Romans 8.20, for the creation was subjected to futility. As we fell, creation fell with us. It was placed under a curse. And so when Jesus died on the cross and took that curse upon him, it wasn't just for us. It was for the whole of God's creation. His story is way bigger than we can ever imagine. The work of the cross was larger than we could ever hope and dream for. His story that we've been looking at is a story of redemption, a restory of his creation. And so, you know, God isn't going to take what he said was good and scrap it. He's going to renew it. He's going to purify it by fire. It's going to be all that which God had intended to be, but which sin took it down the wrong path. And so not only will our bodies rise, but earth itself will be reborn as well. I'm going to quote Randy again. Listen, I'm going to have a few quotes because the reality is there are many other people smarter and more eloquent than I who can actually talk about this. So I hope you don't mind, but I think I'll quote these people. <laughs> Randy Alcorn, again, he says this, Redemption, listen to this, is not escape from earthly life. It is reclamation of earthly life. When Jesus died, God wasn't done with his old body. His resurrection body was his old body made new. God is not done with these bodies or this earth. Our old bodies will be made new, and we looked at that, didn't we, with our resurrected bodies and the rapture talk. And this old earth will be made new too. See, that is part of God's redemptive plan, that he would redeem us and his creation, that we would go back to the garden and dwell here on earth, and heaven here on earth. C.S. Lewis, the great C.S. Lewis, you know, author of the Chronicles of Narnia, um, and a theologian, he said this about heaven. There have been, and the earth, there have been times when I think we do not desire heaven, but more often I find myself wondering whether, in our heart of hearts, we have ever desired anything else. 
As Randy says, we are made for a person and a place. We are made for Jesus to be with him in heaven. And so what I want to look at then as we look through those scriptures is just three very brief things on what we can learn from what this new earth will mean for us, this new heaven and new earth where there's a new earth and, and heaven comes down. That new Jerusalem city represents heaven, God dwelling with man here on earth. What can we learn from these scriptures? Three things. And there's so many. <laughs> you want some more? Uh, read the book. But here's three that I've put together to try and summarize. The first one is this. We will be satisfied. Uh, I told you there'll be a few quotes. Check this guy's name out. This is a French theologian from the 17th century. His name is Blaise Pascal. What a great name, Blaise. I like that. Uh, he said this, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? You see, we have been created to have fellowship with him, to be with him. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. That is the, the hole, the God-shaped hole in our hearts that longs, that thirsts after him. Now here's the thing about longing and thirsting that we've got to understand. The fact that you long for him shows that he will fulfill you. What do I mean by that? Well, we thirst for water, don't we? Because we know that water will satisfy that thirst. We, we long for food when we're hungry. Why? Because we, our bodies know that we've been created that the food will satisfy that longing. You don't, you don't thirst for petrol, do you? <laughs> Why? Because we weren't created for petrol to, um, to uh, satisfy that thirst. You don't look, and I've said this before, I'm sure, you don't look at a piece of wood and go, oh, that's tasty, oh, I really feel hungry. No, because we weren't created for that to fulfill us. So the very fact that deep down we do indeed, and if you'll be still and know that he is God, you feel that longing, demonstrates that we have been created for him to fulfill it. That, that longing is, 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 is a reminder of the promise. Uh, Isaiah 55, verse 1. This is a very famous verse. Come, all you who are thirsty. Remember this? Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Now here's the thing, you see. The reality is this has been partially fulfilled in this covenant, this age of grace that we are in now. We can experience sense of his peace, his presence with us, which brings power and peace, his provision. We can experience that to a degree. But here is what I want to say. Its ultimate fulfillment will be found when we spend eternity with him. How do I know this? Because did you know that that verse that I read you is a prophetic verse? Because we read in Revelation 21.6, listen to this. This is God speaking. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring, the water of life. There will come a time when we will come home and we will be satisfied in only a way in which God can do through us. And yes, 
we can be satisfied from him now and I want to encourage each one of you following last week just to pray Lord would you come into my boat would you be with me we can experience his peace we can experience all that he has for us and we can be satisfied but there will become a time when he will wipe away every tear and we will be satisfied for eternity I don't know about you but I'm looking forward to that I'm excited (laughs) second point what else do we see that we read so we looked at we will be satisfied the second thing is we will dwell with him Revelation 21.3 said this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Did you hear that? We will dwell with God. He will dwell with us. See, there will come a time that we will be in the very presence of God. It says in 22 verse 4, Revelation 22 verse 4, They will see his face. Listen, even Moses didn't see his face. Do you remember that story? Moses up on the mountain said, Lord, show me your face. He said, no, no, you can't, but I walk past you. You'll see my, the behind of me. But, but friends, there's going to be a time where we will gaze upon the beauty of his face. Your heart, you say, Lord, to my heart, seek my face. My, my heart says, Lord, my, your face I want to seek. I can't remember which psalm that is. But it is put in us, that desire to seek him. And here's the thing about, going back to that first point about being satisfied, oftentimes what we do, you see, is we cover up that longing, that desire to see his face with other stuff. Whatever that self-medication might be, whether it be alcohol or, or, or drugs or pornography or not even bad stuff, maybe just too much, too much busyness, <laughs> you know, maybe too much getting around to seeing so many people and when, when all along Jesus is saying listen just just come and be with me be still and know that I am God I am I am here that can satisfy you know we get the enemy wants to distract us from getting into his word because it's as we read his word we can be satisfied and I don't know about you but I'm looking forward to a time when we come home with him that we can dwell with him forever it's going to be amazing and lastly we will reign with Christ. Reign? Did you read that right, Mark? We're going to, what, reign? Well, steady, hold. I thought I was going to get to heaven and just have a, a good old, you know, sleep for a long time. Well, I'm sure you'll have plenty of sleep. I mean, who knows what our glorified bodies will need, but sleep's an enjoyable thing. I'm sure you can have some rest. But it says in Revelation 22.5, FYI, and they will reign forever and ever. Yes, you. You're made to reign. Did you know that? So, well, no, I can't reign. Yes, you can. That's, God has created you for that. Does this remind you of anything? I said that when we get to the end, it's the start of a new beginning. In fact, it's a full circle to the beginning. Well, let's look at Genesis 1 then, hey? Why not? 26. <laughs> then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Why? So that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, etc., etc. Did you see that? I talked about the fact that, but you see, when we have a new heaven, new earth, it is part of God's redemptive plan. You see, not only are our bodies redeemed, not only is the earth redeemed, but he redeems our position to reign. And I think that's so exciting. You're never going to be bored for eternity. You're going to reign. Boy, I don't know what that looks like. You can read some more about it in, uh, in, in Randy's book. He's got some really fascinating scriptures and things that he can share around that. But let me tell you, 
it's not going to be boring. It's going to be amazing. And you know, one of the we, we think about rain and oh, that's going to be hard work and labour and tiresome. You know, we've got to remember that toil and labour came with the curse. You know, when, when sin came, God said, you know, you're going to labour and toil and the earth is not going to give you everything in the world. But you, you see, when we think of work, we think that, but actually we've been created to create and to reign because we've been created in God's image. And the image of God is going to be redeemed. And the environment by which we can move in that will be redeemed. It's going to be so amazing. This is what eternity holds in store for those that call upon the name of Jesus. We are here, but for a fleeting moment. This is the pre-life. This is the warm-up. You know, oftentimes we talk about heaven as the afterlife. I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think it is the, the, uh, the life. This is like the pre-life. And you might say to me, Mark, this is all sounding rather bizarre. This sounds like crazy. I just need to take a step back and just understand that. Well, let me tell you. If, imagine that I, I, uh, you, know, you went and spoke to yourself in the womb. And that sounds a bit bizarre, doesn't it? But imagine you've you got yourself in the womb and you're in, it's very cozy in there and what you know is some nice warm and you food's given to you and I say listen you know you're gonna whew, I tell you what's after this you're gonna walk and talk and you're gonna fly and you're like what that doesn't make any sense just because we cannot fully comprehend it doesn't mean it isn't true <laughs> in fact we can read the scriptures and I think this comes to a point where we have to just say you know what Lord you're sovereign I, this, part of this series has been shifting our focus on him and not ourselves and just taking that step and saying, we're in God's plan, in his story, and we can find peace in that. But equally, it leads us to worship. You go, wow, God, you are amazing. You are amazing. So there you go. There's some three things, some thoughts for you. As you think about this new heaven and new earth, we will be satisfied, we will dwell with him, and we will reign with him. It's just so amazing. So let me just end this talk, and indeed, let me uh, try and, if I can, end this series with two thoughts. What does it mean for us now? The first thing I want to say is, and I've, I've tried to say this every week, be encouraged and be filled with hope. You know, these are troublesome times. God has wanted me to speak in this moment because we need to understand that our hope, our living hope, is in Jesus. That as we realize that the false foundations we may have built upon in this world starts crumbling, it's God's grace that opens our eyes to the truth that he is our living hope. And so part of diving into his story and understand what is coming up is in order that we can look our eyes up there and say, Jesus, you are our hope. Romans 8, 18, this is what Paul said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. What is he speaking about? He's speaking about the end time, the, the time where we spend eternity with God. And then he says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Say what? Light and momentary troubles? Excuse me, Paul, do you know what we are going through right now? Do you know the hardship? Well, in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul lists his troublesomes, troublesomes, not even a word, troubles, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, whipped, imprisoned, close to death. I mean, the list goes on, and I don't know about you, but I'm not at that place. And yet, he sees it in the context that what is about to be revealed is going to be something amazing. 
You know, we will have troubles in this world. Jesus says that. Until he establishes his kingdom, that new heaven and new earth. But let us, as Paul says, fix our eyes on the prize that is ahead. I think C.S. Lewis, to quote him again, just puts this so well when he says this. A book on suffering, which says nothing of heaven, is leaving out almost the whole of one side of the account. Scripture and tradition habitually put the joys of heaven into the scale against the sufferings of earth. And no solution of the problem of pain, which does not do so, can be called a Christian one. You see, we need to understand the prize that is ahead. We need to understand the, 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 the blessed hope that awaits us. We need to understand the, the, the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Because it puts things in context and it doesn't minimise the pain that we're going through. I'm not saying this to minimise it. It's very real. I've lost, this year I've lost my grandmother and my uncle in the space of a few months. I've been through hardships with, um, you know, Steph has had uh, an operation as well and bless you. It's been tough. So I'm not saying any of this to minimise what we're going through, but in the light of eternal glory, it, boy, it helps me get through it. And that's what Paul's saying here. You know, the devil will get you looking at the storm, looking at the waves, but we need to look at the giver of life and the promise of what is to come. And 2 Peter says it best, 3.13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Are you looking forward to it? Well, for many of us, we haven't been looking forward to it because we don't know what it's about. I hope this series has helped you understand what you can look forward to. And Lord, I pray it bears fruit, that it brings you hope. But lastly, what does it mean for us now? Let us spread the good news of Jesus. People are hungry for the truth and in need of hope. That The world cannot offer either, only Jesus can. You know, each week on these talks, I have purposely ended on Jesus and the gospel message. Why? Because Jesus is our living hope. You see, all... You see, biblical prophecy always reveals Jesus. Why have I ended on Jesus? Because he is the beginning and in the, he is the end. And you see, as I equip us in this season, I want to do so in the knowledge of his story and understanding where we are heading so that we can present the full gospel of Jesus. What is the full gospel? That he died for our sin, that he rose again, but more than that, we will be with him for all eternity. That is the gospel message. Because the reality of hell is as real as the reality of heaven. And so I want us to have, to be able to present the gospel, that good news of gospel in word and in deed. And also, let us be urgent, let us be caught up, raptured, whenever that moment may be. And as I said at the start, no man knows the day or the hour, but... But I want to be caught up doing the Father's business because we have been called to fulfill the Great Commission to make Christ known. And therein lies the end of, of this series. What we're going to do now is um, I'm going to pray and uh, we're going to end the service. Um, so why don't we do that now? 
Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness and your love. I want to thank you, Lord, that we are part of your story. Not ours, yours. And Lord, we do not have to guess and wonder what is coming up because you have made it clear in your word. You are wanting us to be informed and encouraged and full of hope, fixing our eyes on the glory that awaits. And Lord, as we do so, would you spur us on to spread that good news to others? Lord, would you help us and would you bless us, I pray in your precious name. Amen. Well, listen, what's coming up um, next week, uh, we have a guest speaker, Andrew uh, McNeil, and his wife Rosie are the assistant directors of the Vineyard Churches in the UK. And um, Andrew has done a message for, uh, a talk for the Vineyard Churches. It's a real great word of uh, encouragement and comfort in this time. And so that will be, be next week. And the week after that, the team and I, are going to be starting a new series, so don't miss that. But until then, the, the team want to pray with you. Uh, over in the chat box, there are the words of knowledge listed, as you know the team meet before the service. If any of those resonate with you, get prayer, and we'd love to pray with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Would he be gracious towards you, and would you know his peace? And everyone said, Amen. God bless. Mm -hmm.